We're studying the difference between tongues for personal edification and tongues that empowers the believer to stand the gap, the deep intercessional groanings of the Spirit that empowers the believer to stand the gap between hell and people trying to get there. Amen. Well, we began studying from 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, and we studied diversities of tongues, one of the nine gifts. And we found out the reason that he called it diversities of tongues, diversities or different operations of, is because there is four basic variations, four basic diversities of tongues that the Spirit operates. Where we have got into trouble is we have clumped the same set of rules on all the diversities, all the basic operations of the empowerments of tongues. And again, diversities of tongues has four basic empowerments. Number one, again, is tongues for personal edification. That's the one you and I received when we were filled with the Holy Ghost. And number two, tongues for the sole purpose of interpretation. That's when God uses tongues to open the channel to the spirit world so he can bring a message of exhortation or comfort to the believers. Tongues for interpretation. That one is different than tongues for edification, and it is different from tongues for intercession. Okay, the number one was tongues for edification. Number two was tongues for the purpose of interpretation. Number three, the third diversity of tongues, is tongues that extends itself, extends itself into the deep intercessional groanings of the Spirit, groanings that literally empowers the man to stand the gap between hell, people trying to get there, between dope and your children, between sin and your children. Intercession. The third basic diversity of tongues, the third variation is tongues that presents itself in a public assembly as a sign to the unbeliever. Tongues as a sign to the unbeliever. Now this one, this tongue, it presents itself, it operates through a believer, and empowers that believer to speak any language on the face of this earth or in heaven that he had no previous knowledge of. Never spoke a, a word of German or French, but yet he'll stand up with sinners present and begin to preach in their own native tongue. Brother, you can cut that any way you want. That is a sign to the unbeliever. <laughs> Thank you. Then the fourth basic empowerment is tongues that presents itself as a sign to the unbeliever. Well, now, we don't want to put the same set of rules on all the diversities of the operations of tongues. If we do, we'll confuse ourselves, and even more than that, we'll end up confusing the world. There is a different set of rules on tongues for personal edification. There is a different set of rules on tongues for deep intercessional groanings. Now, one question people always ask me, they're always asking me this. They say, Roberson, can the devil understand me when I'm praying in tongues? Let me tell you what the devil understands about deep intercessional groanings. He understands that you're fixing to give birth, and he don't like it. What he doesn't know is what you're about to birth. And the reason he doesn't know what you're about to birth because it began some nine months ago in the form of a seed when you were praying in tongues and activated the plan of God in your spirit. <laughs> well, that's just a little hint of what's to come. <laughs> 
Oh, he don't like it when you're groaning. He says, they're going to give birth. And what are they going to give birth to? My God, he trembles until the child is born. Because then he is forced to take his hands off from one of his children, whether he likes it or not. You ever had the Holy Ghost visit you and say, get out? <laughs> you get out. Well, they ask me, does he understand what's going on when you're making intercession and groaning? Yes, he understands that you're about to give birth. Well, how about when I'm praying in tongues for my own personal edification? See, my edification. Because once again, all the other eight gifts, all of them, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, working of miracles, healings, and the diversities of tongues, and the three basic operations, that is, tongues for interpretation, tongues as a sign to the believer, and tongues for deep intercessional groanings. All other eight and them three diversities are operated by the Spirit, severally as He wills. The only gift operated at my will, my will, is that one-fourth, that diversity of tongues that is on my, for my personal edification. That is the only gift, the only diversity of all nine that operates by my own will because God has made me the steward of it because all the other eight and three-quarter gifts flow outward for your edification, but that one flows inward for mine. Therefore, I'm the steward of my own edification. Thank you. I'm the steward of my own edification because all the other gifts are designed for your edification as they flow through me. But that one, that one, it flows inwardly in me, to me, inward, inward, inward. It's for my own edification. Therefore, by my own will, I'm the steward of it. Do you control God? No. Do you turn God on and off? No. Well, then how come you can pray in tongues anytime you want? Because he made me the steward of its operation. I don't control it. I don't own it. I'm the steward of it. Anytime my faith says, I want to pray, then being the steward of it, the Holy Spirit automatically activates that language for my own edification. But it is different than the deep intercessional groanings. It is different. That's activated severally as God wills. A woman can get pregnant about any time she wants, but she can't have the baby any time she wants. That comes when it wants to, see. <laughs> <laughs> How many of you are having a good time already? Thank you. Well, does the devil know what I'm doing when I'm making deep intercessional groanings? Yes, he knows you're about to give birth. He don't know what quite to, but he knows you're about to give birth. Well, does he know what I'm doing when I'm praying in tongues? Yes, he knows what you're doing. He knows that you have reverted to the inside of your spirit and locked in with God in a divine flow of communication. Well, does he know what I'm saying? No. No, when you're speaking in tongues for personal edification, he does not know what you're saying. Well, I know people that says he does. Well, he doesn't. <laughs> now, let me give you some deductible reasoning. Do you know what you're praying when you pray in tongues? No. Now, will you think this would be fair? You don't know, but the devil knows. That's not fair. <laughs> Now, does the devil know any tongues that I speak? Yes. There are certain tongues, diversities of tongues, that you will speak. The language of the angels, when that diversity comes on you, yes, the spirit world, angels, and sometimes devils and demons, you will be speaking in the language that they're familiar with. But not the diversity that operates for your own edification, because that is a holy place that you have entered into, locked in with God, your spirit with his, a closed channel, closed, closed, 
The communication is between you and God, for that man speaks unto God, and he is edified. Hallelujah. Yes. Glory to God. It's none of the devil's business when me and my father are in holy communication. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me tell you something about tongues. I said, such a peculiar language, and it is. The world looks at us so peculiar, and they do. Say, y'all, that bunch that speaks with tongues? Yes. We heard about you. Psychiatrists say that you're a little off but harmless. Good folk. Good folk but just a little psychologically off balance. <laughs> they have to have some phenomena in their life to be able to believe that God's with them. So they jabber this strange language, you know. Well, they say, you're peculiar, and my minister warned me about y'all. That, that stuff's all passed away. <laughs> no, <laughs> their life has passed away. That's right. <laughs> we have been warned about this stuff. You know, we've been warned about it. Maybe you have. Maybe you think we're peculiar. And I says, Lord, they think we're peculiar. Yeah, well, we are. We definitely are. But you know as well as I do that peculiar is not weird. Peculiar means when there is famine, you eat. Peculiar means when there's plague, don't come nigh you dwelling. <laughs> oh, that's peculiar. They say, how come you're not getting it? You called us peculiar? We're peculiar. Die or become peculiar. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Will the devil understand it? No. He says, Lord, why such a peculiar language? And he finally said to me, <laughs> he said to me, amongst men, there has never been a language that has come into existence that carries the vocabulary, the vocabulary to express everything that I am in you through Christ Jesus. It is such a mystery from ages. He says that since there was no language with such a vocabulary, he said, I had to create my own and loan it to you while you're down here. I just loaned it to you until you come on up here and then it'll cease. But meanwhile, because you know in part, I know everything. I know the whole redemption plan. I know it all. And whenever the devil comes against you, he says, don't worry about it. Because I'll activate. He says, and because of your infirmities, I'll make intercession. And he that searches the heart knows the entire plan of God. So he'll start making intercession for you according to that plan. All eternity, the entire redemption. And I'll pray the, the will of that into existence in your life. And even though you only know in part, he says, I'll pray the part that you need. <laughs> and the devil has no idea what's going on. <laughs> Makes a guy want to go pray in tongues, don't it? Y'all pardon me for about an hour. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> well, we're defining the difference between these tongues for my edification and the deep intercessional groanings of the Spirit, which is only activated severally as He wills. Where again, tongues is activated as I will because I am the steward of its operation. Now, the reason I said, does the devil know what you're doing when you're groaning in travail? Yes, he knows you're about to birth something. See, he don't like it. And looking at this 19th verse for a moment, my little children, my little children, of whom I travail in the birth part, 
in the birth part, my little children, in whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Boy, I like this. Well, if we really going to understand this, we probably better go back over to our oldest friend, Romans 8. <laughs> How many suspected I'd liable to get there before this was over? Well, let's begin with the 23rd verse as we continue to define this. The 23rd, 23rd verse. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption process to be made complete or wicked, waited for the adoption to wit, and the adoption will be culminated, it will be completed, it will be wicked at the redemption of our bodies. Now, what this is actually saying is the redemption of our body will be second fruits. That's why he says, us that have the first fruits. Well, what in the world is first fruits? Us that have the first fruits of the Spirit. The first fruits. The first fruits. We groan within ourselves waiting for the second fruits then us that have the first fruits, we must know that the first fruits of the Spirit is. Jesus rose from the dead. He resurrected. In us that are born again, we have become the first fruits of His resurrection. We're the first harvest, first fruits of His resurrection. When I bowed my knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, when I was born again, Adoption papers were served on me. I became his first fruits. You see, when I was born again, something happened to me. My spirit man was instantly seated into a heavenly place with Christ Jesus. It has entered into Zoe, God kind of, I am eternally, eternally seated in that heavenly place with Christ Jesus. It is in the Zoe, God kind of life. It is I am, past, present, future. It has entered into that life. And he says, us that have the first fruits, for my spirit has taken on the express image of Jesus Christ. It has been born of him, born of Jesus. And consequently, because it has been born of Jesus, it has become the righteousness of God in Christ. And on the inside of me, I have these righteous feelings. In fact, there's something in me that is so holy that it wars continually with my flesh. Now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Us that have the first fruits of the Spirit, we are groaning. We groan within our righteous spirits waiting for the entire adoption process to be culminated, to be made complete, and it will be made complete at, at the redemption of our bodies. Then you're telling me, Robeson, that our bodies aren't redeemed yet. Well, you know as well as I do that speaking in a corporal sense, meaning this flesh is dying, it has the death working in it that you and I inherited from the first Adam. It's dying. In fact, it's capable of sin. It will sin if you let it. It's capable of it. That's why he says, this I say, brethren, walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the warnings of the flesh because it's capable of it. Right. He says, Robeson, you got first fruits. You've been born again. You've been filled with the Holy Ghost. See, but the reason you're groaning on the inside of your righteous spirit because you're imprisoned in this body. And I live in here. This thing not only will sin, it's capable of sin. Totally capable of walking in the flesh. And even more than that, my body's imprisoned in a world. It is in this world with warrings, strife, a place where children are starving to death, where men kill each other, where sin, God, you name it, it is rampant. 
and my righteous spirit groans within my body. And I'm groaning because I'm in this world with all this damnable sin. In fact, he says, all creation that's laboring under this thing, this, this perfect creation of God that was sold to the bondage and slavery, it says, all of it is travailing like a pregnant woman to be delivered out of it. And I'm in the middle of it. And the righteousness that's been implanted in me, it, it makes me groan. I want to be delivered out of it. I had at one time before I, I spent any, any amount of time in prayer at all to know, to know what deep intercessional groanings were. I just began to spend time praying in tongues, just, I knew people that, that claimed to really intercede and would groan a lot. You know, but the only thing that ever come on me was just praying in tongues. Anytime I wanted to pray in tongues, I could pray in tongues. But I've seen them people just step in and go, oh, 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 and they'd start groaning for the loss. Oh, God, save the lost. Problem was, they just have to jump up and check their watch. Hmm. i got five minutes to go. But I thought, how did they get in and out of it? How did they get in and out of it like that? Oh, wait, i got five more minutes. <clears throat> oh, save the lost. Two minutes. <laughs> you know, but see, I could pray in tongues. See, any time that I wanted. So in deep meditations, when I crossed over this verse, to this one, to be that had the first fruits, we're groaning within our righteous spirit. I didn't know what it meant. I told God I have never been so happy in my whole life. I just launched full time. You'd have to be hungry as I was at that time to understand where I'm coming from. I was so hungry to pray, so hungry to fast, yet I was in prison to a job by my unbelief. Then I was 30 years old, yet I hurt. And then God visited me supernaturally that gave me the faith, inspired me to go full-time. I went full-time, and for the first time in my life, I had the freedom to pray and to fast as much as I wanted to and as long as I wanted to. And for a man that had been bound by unbelief to a job that had a call eating the hole on the inside of his spirit, I was elated. I was in third hog heaven. <laughs> Glory to God, a spiritual hog. And you imagine, you know what hog heaven is? Hog heaven is a hog that has a bunch of farmers lined up with buckets of slop with no end to it. <laughs> that is hog heaven, and I was I was elated. Ooh, I said, Oh, glory to God. And when I'd run across this verse, it says, We're groaning to be delivered out of all this. For the redemption, I said, not to me. <laughs> I like it here. <laughs> Glory to God. Not me. I said, I just get to do everything. Not to me. I just got turned loose on the devil. Don't come for at least a hundred years. Holy Spirit said, you are groaning. I said, no, I'm not. I don't know if I'm groaning. He said, yeah, you are groaning. I says, no, I'm not. Especially the time that I was believing God for $500 to catch up the behind bills in the first three months I went full-time. Praying in tongues, fasting. Glory to God. And a man walks up to me in the service, and all I was was the catcher. Nobody let me preach yet. Part of the Pretty good at it. Catching for a friend of mine. You know, got real good at it. <laughs> this man walks up after the service. It wasn't my meeting. wasn't mine at all. God knows me and Earl Hitchin agreed. This man walks up to me and hands me a check for $736. And then I stuck that check in my pocket, and it was 100 miles home. Every couple miles, I'd reach out and pay it, and it was still there. 
after three months of standing in faith, every way I knew how until I got to cope, and then just just ignoring my cupboards, get away from me cupboards. Every time the grocery man asked me when I'm going to pay the bill, I'd say, oh, I got a new job, I expect to be paid any time. I'd walk away, get behind me. <laughs> so I padded that check, and when I got home, man, I went down to the bank with my wife. You know, and we didn't have the gas money until we cashed it. So we had to walk to the bank. I got to have it sign my name. <laughs> I want to put this into our account. And I says, now, when I put this in the account, can I honest to God write checks off of this? He says, yes. You know, like, what's the matter with you? I said, I just wanted to be sure. <laughs> and I want you to know that me and my wife walked hand in hand. A new day had dawned. I was in fourth hog heaven. You know, every time I would cross a little raindrop hanging off the bottom of a leaf, I could just see God in it. And a new day had dawned, and we walked to every bill, paid them. And then I turned around, give another old preacher boy a hundred dollars that cleaned me out. But at that point, it did not matter whatsoever. I had something much more valuable. An unshakable faith in the grace of my God. I was elated. I said, I'm not groaning. He said, yes, you are. Do you like the plan that the devil has for the world? I said, no, I heard inside. He says, yes, you're groaning out of your righteous spirit. If it's your groaning for the culmination of all things, you're now groaning for the redemption of the body. You're groaning to see this whole horrible future mess come to an end. I said, yes, sir. I said, you are right. But that groaning, that hurting, that groaning was coming out of my human spirit, my human, my righteous spirit. It was coming out of the nature that he made me when he, he, he made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. That nature hurt inside. I groaned, I hurt. This was after approximately two years of praying intermittently, hour, several hours upon hour. And I hurt. I started experiencing that hurt time after time. It isn't a bad kind. And every time I had to walk away from a wheelchair and pray for him and know that I know that I know that he has borne our sicknesses and he's carried our pains and he finished in redemption everything that that woman or that man needed and I had to walk away in them days and very few people was getting healed. I, I'd have to walk away and I'd hurt on the inside because I would feel my limitations. I'd want to do something about it so bad but, but it, I couldn't, I couldn't. If I could, I would. I'd feel my limitations, the one imposed on me by the flesh, and I'd hurt just like I hurt when I seen whole civilizations starving to death. In plain view of the entire world, the tongues for the deep intercessional groanings. See, that one is activated severally as he wills. And even if I've got that cold, indifferent, stony heart, just the fact that I know that it's wrong, and just the fact that I can pray in tongues by my own will as much as I want to is the two ingredients, and it's all you need to bring you to that other place. If you're a child, was run over in a cross rock, right in front of you, your five-year-old child. What would you do? Check your watch. Well, well, he got run over at 8.30. Got run over at 8.30. Hmm. Well, it's too bad. No. No, you wouldn't. Your travail would reach the throne room of God. Let's look at this. We like proof, Brother Robertson. We like to give it. Looking again at verse 23. 
And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, us that's been born again, filled the Holy Ghost. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption process to be completed of all of God's redemption and the redemption of our body. For we're saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, what does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that that we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. Well, what are we hoping for? What are we hoping for? He said, we're saved by hope. You and I that have the first fruits, we're waiting for the redemption process to be made complete at the redemption of our physical bodies. But meanwhile, before glorification takes place, but while I'm still imprisoned in this one, he said, we are saved by hope. In hope of what? I have the earnest of my inheritance. Adoption papers were served on me already when I was born again, but I'm now saved in hope. In hope of what? In hope of the resurrection. In hope of the glorification of the body. It's coming. But meanwhile, while I'm imprisoned in this one, guess who helps me? Now, 25th verse. But if we hope for that we see not, we then with patience wait for it. What we hoping for? The redemption of the body? If we hope for that that we see not, do we see it yet? No. So we do with patience wait for it. And buddy, you don't have any choice. You can believe God until you turn blue and seven shades of, of white and green. And Jesus is going to come back when he is going to come back. <laughs> I mean, we're going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye from corruptible to incorruptible. And we're going to receive one resurrected body spawned from the loins of the last Adam, Jesus Christ, that life-giving spirit. But until that time, while we're waiting for that, we have the earnest of our inheritance. We are born again. But he said we're saved by hope. But he says that that we yet not see, that that we hope for, he says with patience. So he's going to come back when he's going to come, so you're patiently going to have to wait. You're patiently stuck in that body. And that's why he gives you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is to empower you and I during this waiting time. And this is what I like about Romans 8, 26 then. Romans 8, 26, which says, Likewise, what does likewise mean? In a like manner. The Spirit also helpeth what? Whose infirmities? All right, likewise, meaning in a like manner, the Spirit also helps Dave Roberson's infirmities. All right, we know from times past that infirmities breaks down to mean your and mine inabilities to produce results because of the limitations imposed on us by this flesh. All right, I have limitations absolutely imposed on me by this flesh. That's why he says, us that have the first fruits, man, we're groaning out of a righteous spirit to see this imposition, the whole thing removed, removed. And he says we have to patiently wait for this to take place. So meanwhile, while we're waiting, while we're patiently waiting, he says in this like manner, the spirit helps our infirmities, our inabilities imposed on us by this flesh. See, he helps it. He helps it. Now notice the wording very close, very close now. Likewise, the spirit, what? What's the next word? What is it? Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our... Now, if he is also helping it, what else helps it? Oh, this is getting interesting, isn't it? I can't leave words out. I, knowing eternity is weighing on the Word of God, I can't pass one word up. He said, likewise, the Spirit also, A-L-S-O, also helps Dave Robeson's firmities. I appreciate that help. Because I found out I'm not too smart. <laughs> when it comes to inabilities to produce results, I'm not too smart. Especially in spiritual things. Whenever I'm facing a wheelchair and the inability through unbelief to produce the result is imposed on me to where it hurts me. He said, this likewise is the Spirit helping your infirmity, Roberson. You don't know how to pray as you ought. If I knew how to pray as I ought, then I could have got him out. So he's helping my inability to produce that result. 
And brother, that's in the realm that very few of us have any understanding in at all. Well, I'm going to pray and just believe God. Well, why didn't it happen? Nobody knows, not even the person in the wheelchair. But I'll tell you about someone that does. That's why he says, likewise, the Spirit will help your inabilities to produce these results. But he said, he'll also help. If he's also helping, I need all the help I can get. I, I also wonder what else is helping, because he wouldn't say he also helps unless it was con in conjunction with something that was already helping. That means there's two of them doing something. Well, see, that throws us back to 23. He says, us that have the first fruits of the Spirit, we do what? We're groaning out of our righteous human spirit. This one's out of my human spirit. But then when we get to the 26th verse, he says, Likewise the Spirit also. The likewise means in the same manner that you're groaning out of your human spirit, he will also help you. See, this is the difference. When I pray in tongues until it edifies me and charges me up like a battery into the love of God, until compassion grabs hold of me, until at times I feel like I can't even live unless I see results. And I hurt on the inside because I had to walk away from another wheelchair. It's that kind of groaning that the Holy Spirit picks up on. And he says, look, he's edified himself to a place where he's groaning out of his spirit because of all the damnable limitations that's on him. And the Holy Spirit picks up on your righteous groaning and he adds his anointing of power, his intercession, his groanings. And in unison, they blend together as one and the Spirit empowers you to rise above the problem and gives you the power from God to do something about it. <laughs> My little children, I would prevail in birth until Christ be formed in you again. Now this next part you're going to have to hang on too close. You want to produce things for God? We're going to outline now the distinct difference between tongues for personal edification and the deep intercessional groanings of the Spirit, that gift, that gift that's operated by God. At God at the time of birth by God at the time of birth. How many of you women picked a day to have your child <laughs> and had it on that day, not accidentally? <laughs> How many of you stopped, just stopped it and said, I'll wait two days? Then it wasn't several as you willed at all, was it? <laughs> but like I said, you can pretty well know when you want to start <laughs> start that walk that will lead towards <laughs> the intercession, you know, the travail. But here comes the difference. Looking at the 27th verse. Here's the operation of the Spirit. And he that searcheth the hearts, plural, that's you and my hearts, he knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And he that searcheth the hearts, hearts plural, the hearts of the entire body of Christ at once, yours, mine, it is the Holy Spirit that does that searching. He is our champion. He's our representative. But it says, he that searches your heart and yours and yours and mine, he knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Mind of the Spirit is present tense. But all it's talking about is he that searches your heart knows the entire redemption plan of God. But to bring it to present tense, he not only knows the redemption plan of God from beginning to end, but he knows the mind of God for you in that plan. So when it says, he that searches the heart, he goes into your heart to search it, armed with the knowledge of the entire redemption plan of God, where it began and where it will end. You see, the mind of the Spirit means in that redemption plan, in that redemption. Then what's for right now? What's for this moment? That becomes God's mind for you in that redemption plan for that moment. That's why he becomes your individual representation. 
He that searches your heart as an individual knows the entire plan of God and knows what God called you to do and fit in it before the foundations of the world, before anything was. Around the conference table of God, your name came up. And when it did, God laid his entire plan for your life on the table. Way back then. And Jesus redeemed you. And the Holy Spirit came forth armed with the knowledge of everything he heard about you around the conference table. He goes into your heart to search it for the sole purpose of making intercession for you according to the plan that he heard for your specific life. Now, God planned this for you way back when he knew the time would come that Adam would possibly fall and then you'd be born of the dead seed, if you allow me. But God mapped a plan out for your life from birth and whether you find that plan or not, Every Indian born in India, God had a specific plan in redemption for that Indian baby. And if he dies, lives, dies, and goes to hell, it doesn't exclude the fact that God had a whole plan for him that he never found. Some of you will never finish the end of what he called you to do. Some of you will. One thing for sure, that plan's in the Spirit. And he's in you. He knows the entire redemption plan of God. And every time he searches your heart, he does it with the intention to pray that plan, that mind of God into existence in your life. Now, does God have a plan for your husband? Does God have a plan for your wife? Does God have a plan for your brother-in-law, your sister, your children's children, your relatives, your family trees? Does God have a specific plan for all of them? Let me tell you what begins to happen. When you start praying in tongues as an act of your own will, the Holy Spirit will continually create the language and pray according to the plan that God has for you in this life. And when he starts praying for you and builds you up into a place of sensitivity, and pretty soon you start looking at your husband and start looking at your wife and you get to thinking, oh God, above everything, I would that they would be saved. At this point, the desires of your heart begin to change because of edification and because of love. You're taking the first steps towards intercession. Because, see, you're not directing the Holy Spirit's prayer. You may think you are. We're going to have a list here. Here's our list. Joe needs a car, Susie needs this, and Jan needs this. All that stuff to God is almost irrelevant. If they'd find the Spirit, they'd find all that. So you sit here with your big list, and you say, Okay, we claim this stuff. Well, the actual part that had to do with it was when you said, We claim it. God heard it. But then when you say, We're going to pray in the Spirit about it. Let me tell you what happened. Then the desires of your heart is what begins to direct your prayer, not your mental mentality. It is the desires of your heart that starts empowering your prayer. It's what did God say? He would grant you the desires of your heart. What? If you delighted yourself in God, delighted yourself in Him, then that means that the desires of your heart would come from Him. If I delight myself in the Lord, he'll grant me the desires of my heart, meaning if I delight myself by praying, then the desires that I have, they will come from him, and they're the kind that he can produce. No, you're not directing your prayer language anymore. You may think you are, but you see, uh, he wouldn't have gave you a supernatural language that he created if you could have done the job. Since you messed it up so bad, he gives you an insurance policy. <laughs> what do you keep doing it for? There is the petition of faith, thank God. He hears that. But see, then there's the one that concerns his will. So when you start praying in tongues, that prayer is directed by your heart. So you pray yourself into a place of sensitivity. And pretty soon you turn around and you look at your husband. Look at your wife. You look at the man you hated, your boss, the guy you used to fight and talk bad about to everybody. 
you care less. In fact, I kind of hope you'd make it to hell, maybe, you know. Don't treat me like that. I tell him, brother, don't push me around. You can change things, all right. You can sue his socks off and get all his money. Or you can get him born again, he'll give it to you anyway. Which route you want to take, huh? I'll take the arm of the flesh. Pretty soon you'll turn around and you'll say, Oh, God, give me this soul, lest I die. And your heart will hurt for it. And the Holy Spirit at that time will begin to plant a little seed. You know what the seed is? It's conception. It is the birth plan for your husband. He'll plant a little seed for that son or that daughter in dope. And when he plants it, directed by the desires of your heart, it's the birth plan. It's the birth plan. And as you pray in tongues, hold on the God, through the authority of your spirit, will begin to form that little baby in Christ. Oh, that a crystal, and you walk it around pretty soon, you seven months along, and you keep praying that plan that the spirit knows for that man. He knows it, and you keep praying it, and it's in you. You're carrying it. You're carrying it. And pretty soon you go eight months, and boy, everybody notices that, you know, you're, you're showing. You know? <laughs> You don't care if people pray with you or not. You're up early. You're up at times of the night. You're walking around. You're craving things you never used to want. Chocolate. Give me chocolate. <laughs> well, brother, you are. You're, you're in there. Amen. As God works this plan, he that searches the heart knows the plan of God makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And God has a plan for your husband, your wife, your children, and dope. And that's the conception that's taking place. It's working in you now. Eight months goes, nine months goes by. All of a sudden, not by an act of your own will, but it's time for birth. All of a sudden, you'll go. Oh! Oh! Better get me to a hospital. <laughs> And, and it's getting closer. The labor pains are getting closer. You're getting closer and closer and closer and closer. And in the spirit, when the birth takes place, that is when Satan has to step back in your travail and your wailings and your groanings, and he will step back. And that child will be birthed in the spiritual realm. And it's only a matter of time that he makes his appearance in this world. I entered into this not only tongues for intercession, but the intermittent. At the times of births, the groanings, hard groanings, hard intercession. Things begin to happen. For the limitations that have been imposed on me in the realms of the spirit begin to be broke. And I'm talking about broke. I mean, broke, broke. I never will forget the time that I was interceding and, and, and I went deaf. I went semi-deaf, not deaf, deaf where I can't hear. But in the spirit, something happened. I was placed over to another place. Everything became foreign. And although I could hear, I couldn't hear. It was spiritual. It was, I knew it was deafness. And that night, that night, see a woman stepped up in front of him in the prayer line, read my lips. And she says, I am deaf. I'm reading your lips. I can't hear a thing that you say. I said, how long have you been deaf, ma'am? She said, since birth. I said, how old are you? She said, I'm 33. I have a son. I have a husband. But I have never heard their voice. And then it came back to me. That in my motel room, that evidently because of edification, God privileged me to slide into her shoes for the purpose of giving birth to her healing. <laughs> I laid hands in the power. God came through like a rushing wind. Hit her. She went out backwards under the power. Halfway to the floor, the noise of the room filled her head. 
she jerked straight out. I mean, it took her by such storm that she kicked. Her eyes come flying back open. She came straight back up as quick as she went down. She stood in front of me. Her mouth was as wide as any mouth I have ever seen. There was cold silence in the room. And I said, you hear me? And she goes, oh, my God. She said, Roberson, I can hear you. And she turned around and grabbed her husband. And for the first time in her existence, she heard the voice of her husband. And then her boy bolted from the crowd. She heard his voice. And the band began to play again. And she goes, my God, that's music. That's music, isn't it? I said, yes. And we had to fight her almost to keep from washing my feet with her tears and drying them with her hair. It was my privilege. When I make the statement, I've stared at too many motel walls to lose this one. God, I hurt inside sometimes. I'm so hungry. In the early days of the ministry, when inside I began to understand some of these principles but yet could not put them into words. I would get man after man turned on to faith. In three years, we, we launched 40 ministries. 40 ministries. Started 20-something churches. Three years. Put pastors in them. Started them myself. I was so hungry... I would meet myself coming. I would have to get up to give me the chair. I'd preach day and night, day and night. Anybody would listen to me, I'd preach. And endured every damnable thing the devil could throw at me from sleeping in the halls because I didn't have enough money to get a motel room, to wearing them putrid suits, to driving my car out into the woods and laying in it and praying all day long because I had nowhere to go just so I could come out and say something to them people. Let me tell you what that kind of endurance does. Build something on the inside of a man that converts to power. Power. When you say, lay hands on me, I want the power of God. What do you want? I begged my colleagues that got turned on to faith at the same time. I said, praying in tongues is doing something to I said, if you want to succeed, pray in tongues, pray in tongues, pray in tongues, please, pray in tongues. And many of them would launch out, and I'd go on crusades with them, and we'd walk the floor and match each other hour for hour. Now, please don't get me wrong. I wouldn't even say the sheep are called to do that all the time. Some kind of crisis come, weighing heavy on your heart, Pray your way out of it, because your heart will direct your prayer. That's what I'm saying. I'm not bringing condemnation on you because you're not up two hours in the morning and two at night. Your righteousness is quite enough. Your rebirth will carry you all the way to heaven. The reality of that righteousness in a good working relationship with the church and faithfulness is enough. It's enough. It's enough. But for you... For you, who, uh, <laughs> I begged my colleagues. I said, please do it. And one by one, they would drop out. A handful would always stay. And they're making it today. My God, they got strong ministries. But the ones that dropped out, I begged them. I said, please, please. And finally, it came to light. It came to light. My meetings were getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Bears was doing what most do, up, down, up, down, down, mostly down, down. And when the truth come out, they says, well, I tell you what. I maintained that prayer, like you said, for a month or so. And I started getting depressed. At times, I didn't even feel like I was saved. 
And I labored under that and would try to preach and wouldn't even do a good job. But when I quit praying, the anointing came and I got in a flow and I did real good after that. So I think that you can pray in tongues too much. It's, I just, and you know, I didn't want to tell them, but I went through the same thing. Felt like quitting, didn't feel like I saved, I felt depressed, walked the four walls. It wasn't always real edified. Sometimes I'd want to cry and I'd feel, God, I don't even feel safe. I feel creepy. I feel dirty. Why? Why? But I wouldn't quit praying because the Word of God says you're building yourself on your holy faith and I was too hungry to stop. And you know what had happened? I'd pray my way, I'd blunder my way through that thing. And, and all of a sudden, the meetings would grow real big and a whole bunch of people would run for the front to be saved. And I'd go, why would you look at this? And later, when he gave me the understanding, my God, I made it to a plane of intercession and he actually privileged me at slipping into the shoes and standing the gap between them people that were trying to get to hell until they were born again in my services. Hallelujah. Well, after we begin to teach our boys that launched out, one powerful ministry that launched out, taught his church the principles of intercession. And then they taught their head intercessor, and brother, they knew how to pray. They would pray heaven and hell together. And one day, the head intercessor was just making intercession. The group was with her, and she went over into groaning somewhat and travail birthing something, a real one. All of a sudden, when she was in the height, the heaviest of the spirit, her left arm became paralyzed. She couldn't move it. The deadness creeped up over her whole left side of her body like this. And she couldn't move it. They couldn't straighten it out. She laid there. She came out of the heart intercession, and that stayed on her arm for hours until the entire anointing lifted and her, her hand got free. It kind of scared her, scared her a little. Two weeks later, the pastor's wife had a tumor that came to a full size that pressed on the brain, paralyzed the pastor's wife's whole left side, and immediately they ran and got that intercessor who already took care of it two weeks before. (laughs) And when she prayed, of course, the thing had already been delivered in the Spirit. It had already been birthed. Hell or high water. Nobody could stop that healing. It took place. (laughs) Everything went free. An instantaneous miracle. Well, let me tell you something. There's a place in him. There's people that didn't know how to give up day and night. Some of them would lose their husbands and they'd say, Nobody can fill the gap inside of me. Nobody can fill the vacancy that my husband left but God, like Anna the prophetess, who was seen, who was told of Jesus, had seen him when he was a baby. Seen him, seen him. Of all the religious men, an intercessor got to lay eyes on Jesus. There's people that can't have the vacancy filled by anything in the natural. So let me fine line this. People get confused over the gifts of the Spirit. The reason they do is because they've got to be a spiritual understanding of them. In other words, you almost have to possess them to understand them. You can't carnally tell you your inner spiritual principles. I know people that try to operate in the Spirit and are actually in the flesh. Things will come on a true intercessor during intercession. But when intercession's over, whatever came on you will lift with the anointing because it came with it. God calls you to be normal, a housewife, or a husband. Now, when this intercession times and anointing, it will be that. I've heard people say, I carried the pain for somebody for three days. Was you under the anointing the whole time? Well, no. When did it come on? It just came on me. Well, if it was for somebody else, it would have came and left with the anointing. He didn't call you to bear their infirmities. (laughs) 
It will come and it will leave with the anointing. After all, we have to live here. But I just took the place of the lost. Oh, for months and months. You may feel the compassion of the Spirit. But you won't carry that lost feeling. That will go when the anointing lifts. He didn't call you to labor under that. He'll put it on you as much as you can take. And he'll lift it off. But then I'm talking about a realm that some of you don't know much about. No, I thought I was an intercessor. You probably are. Grow up. 